Welcome to the All of Life podcast from Redemption Church Tempe, where we have conversations on faith, culture, theology, and beyond to help us live all of life, all for Jesus. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, welcome to the All of Life podcast, where we believe all of life is all for Jesus. My name is John Crawford. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Tempe, and I am joined by two of our congregants, folks who have been faithful members of Redemption Tempe today, to continue a conversation that we had a couple weeks ago at First Wednesday. Uh, Both of these folks were on our panel for singleness, and so I want you guys to introduce yourself. We got Erica Day. Hey, everyone. And we've got Nate Harper. Hey, everybody. So, hey, thanks for being here to continue this conversation. Um, A lot of folks after the panel uh, really responded well. And with gratitude that we had the conversation around singleness, especially in the church. And so uh, we're going to continue to press into this and just talk about some questions that came in on that night. And then also some things that you guys said that we can just kind of go in depth on because we only had 18 minutes that night. So, um what, I w- what I'd love to do to start our time is uh, to revisit something that was said on, on that night on the panel. Um, specifically, the question we were talking about uh, at First Wednesday is around messages in society that a lot of people receive about being single. And, you know, some of the things that, that you guys talked about were, uh, Nate, specifically, you said, hey, the messages in society oftentimes that, that I receive as a young single man are that man that that there's this view that it's for self absorption and then also that it's kind of JV and just this view of singleness is like hey it's all about you self absorption or that it's JV like you haven't made it man would you just speak to that more um, just because I love what you said on on the panel so yeah um, just the two two kind of views that we get um, or that we we talked about previously was like we said um, it's time to just be selfish. Um, it's time to only think about yourself, not to sacrifice for anybody, like your your time, your finances, um, uh, your resources, like whatever you have. Or it's this time that um, you prepare for marriage or it's the stepping stone. Or um, if you're not even, I won't even say marriage because, it's, you know, marriage is not this like um, sacred unity um, mm-hmm. or always seen as that in society. So if you don't have a partner, um, you're, you're seen as maybe less than or, um, something may be wrong with you, especially depending on your age. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are kind of the, the two, I guess, um, ways we see it from society, which drastically uh, contradicts tri- scripture. Yeah, Erica, what, what would you what would you say on that? Yeah, I think that's really good. And something else that Nate said on the panel kind of stuck with me too, which was that God doesn't promise us a spouse. Mm. And I think you know sometimes in in the church we might have this view that. If we if we behave in a certain way, if we're good enough, if we um, surrender ourselves to God enough, that He will give us that desire. But that's not not scriptural either. Um, yeah. So I think that's another idea that we kind of have to fight against sometimes. Yeah. So man, that's really good. Um, one of the one of the females that was on the panel who's not able to be with us for this podcast um, today, but she said something just about kind of the self-absorption point that what you just hit on, um, Nate, specifically, she said that like the, the message from society is, is so often that, that you get as um, someone who's single is like 
you should not deny yourself of anything, right? Like it's this, you, you have the right to anything, right? You do you, live your truest self. And if you deny yourself of anything, um, it's oppressive. Um, unpack what the gospel has to say in response to that narrative. Yeah, I, I, it's funny to even th- think like um, denying yourself, like in comparison to, from what society says to, to you know, the, even the truth of the gospel is saying like, if I deny myself or I'm denying myself this this desire to be my own savior or to, um, you know, earn my salvation so that I'll accept the grace that Jesus gives us in dying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think society kind of tells us that like the end of self-denial is, um, is, is uh, oppressive mm-hmm. um, or is oppression. And scripture tells us and the story of the gospel and, um, just what we believe as Christians is that self-denial is a means to more joy um, and, yeah. and more engagement with Jesus. Um, mm. Not only um, for salvation, but just uh, guidance in life. Um, the yeah. more we deny ourselves, the more we depend on him is um, what's going to bring us more joy, not that it's mm. going to separate us from that. Yeah. How about you, Erica? What, what would you say about that? How does the gospel speak to that? Yeah, I think if we look at the goal of self-denial as, as just that, self-denial, then of mm-hmm. course we're going to be frustrated and discouraged. But, you know, like Nate said, we look, we look to Jesus and we look to um, what it is and who it is that we are denying ourselves for. And, you know, Jesus is the ultimate example of self-denial, mm-hmm. talking, you know, looking at Philippians where he yeah. made himself nothing, taking yeah. on the form of a servant. Of a servant. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get more denial of self than that. So, you know, when we look to Jesus as our example, rather than some, something that we are deprived of here on earth, um, I think that kind of helps put it in perspective too. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. The Philippians two passage too, that you just, that you raised of just Christ's example of Mm -hmm. humility. And, you know, C.S. Lewis says, you know, about humility, I love his definition, right? It's just that, that short catchy of it's not thinking less of yourself, mm-hmm. but humility is thinking of yourself less, um, which means like there is a denial that you see in Jesus. And so often that gets downplayed, right? You, you don't see this narrative of humility and self-denial, but to your point, Nate, is like, and that's where Jesus says life is found, mm-hmm. right? Um, you lose your life to find it. You deny yourself of certain things because we know if we don't deny ourselves, we are actually our own worst enemies, you know, like that is, that's what the gospel tells us, you know? Um, and so when we look at the life of Jesus, when we look at, at the four gospels, we see that the gospel is contained in the gospels, right? All four gospels. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, the God of all creation who created marriage and says that it's very good, he puts on flesh, he leaves the comforts of heaven, He comes to earth, lives a life as a man, but yet he's unmarried, yet he created marriage, um, says marriage is good. And he decides, hey, I'm not going to have a wife. I'm not going to have a spouse. I'm going to live as an unmarried and celibate man who doesn't have sex. And so we see this with Jesus, God in the flesh. And how is that picture, because I don't think we talk about it enough. How is that picture of God who puts on flesh, when you look at the person of Jesus, how is that good news to someone who is living life as, you know, as a single person? What would you say? Yeah, 
I think sometimes we have this view that you're you're not complete. You're not a whole person if you're mm. single or if you're not in relationship with somebody. And you can't look at Jesus and say that he is incomplete in any way. Mm. So he gives us the ultimate picture of of humanity and he was unmarried. Yeah. Um and marriage is great. That's very clear in the Bible. Um but singleness is also a gift and mm. Jesus reflects that wholeness and completeness apart from a spouse because of his relationship with, with the father. Mm. And that's where we draw our wholeness from too. Will you, will you elaborate on that more? Where we draw our wholeness is from relationship with the father? That's yeah, I, I mentioned this a little bit at the first Wednesday event, but it comes down to our identity, I think. Mm. And our as a follower of Jesus, our ultimate identity doesn't lie in our nationality, our passport country, our gender, our relationship status. It's in our relationship to the Father through Christ. Yeah. And um, you know, that holds true regardless of whether or not there's a ring on our finger. Mm. Man, that's so good. So good. <laughs> Nate, what what would you say about just and when you look at the the life of Jesus? How how is that good news for someone who's single? Uh it's even thinking about it like now, it's a good it's a much needed reminder. Um, that um, isn't something that's always like palatable or easy to swallow. Um, but it's also a good reminder that you know, marriage or relationship isn't like this key that opens up the door the door to like fullness of joy. Mm. Um, and like you guys already kind of hit on like if if you know that was the the case, then Jesus would have been married, um, or he yeah. he would have been um, you know involved with somebody. But um, yeah, it's just it's even like thinking through this question is just a good reminder of like, you know, maybe it's not something that you always um, are necessarily okay with, but it is a good reminder that it's like, I can have the fullness of joy. I can have completion. I have completion now in the state I'm in. Um, and it's not because of, um, you know, who you're with or who you don't have. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I, I forget the movie, but there, there's a movie the the you complete me. What movie is that from? Do you guys know? I barely watch. I don't know. <laughs> okay, right. when you said like the, just the completeness, I, I'm forgetting. But it's like the whole you complete me, you know. And and man, I, I love what you said, uh, Erica. That's it's so good. And Nate, yeah, that's that's really that's a good word for us to hear. And so when when we when we receive these messages from society. Um, and even folks who are married now, like they've been shaped by and shaped and formed by these messages of you're not complete unless you have a spouse. Mm -hmm. And then you get married and you realize, well, that wasn't true. You know, I believed a false narrative or you're not complete unless you've had sex. And then it's like, okay, well that, you know, and you're let down. Right. And and so we're all shaped by these messages from society. And so uh, let's transition to then rather than just talking society, let, let's bring it into the church, right? To the inside for, for us. And so when we're thinking about singleness in the church, I want to have, have a fun fun little question for you guys. A, a very Jim Mullins question here, right? <laughs> um, if you were to create a three-ingredient recipe to make singleness painful in the church, what would those three ingredients be? Um, well, I'd say a lack of ingredients, probably um, <laughs> okay. a lack of community, yeah, a lack of accountability, and a lack of discipleship. Um, okay, so bland food, the lack of <laughs> lack of ingredients, the lack right? of ingredients. <laughs> okay, uh, so what were those three? Lack of community, uh, lack of community, lack of accountability, and a lack of discipleship. Okay, um, 
and I think the key word is painful because you can have a, I mean, a lot of stuff leads to sad singleness, but yeah, a painful singleness. Um, mm. You know, when there's we're we're all we're meant for vertical relationship um, with Jesus, but we're we're designed to have horizontal relationship. Totally. Um, and you know, obviously, if you're married, that that horizontal relationship is a little bit closer. It's a little bit more tangible. But if you're not involved in community or you don't have um, other people to engage with, um, that's the, you're 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 not going to be able to fulfill that intimacy that you desire in those horizontal relationships. Totally. Um, and then I think the accountability and the discipleship piece kind of go hand in hand um, because there's plenty of things to pour your affections into, your attention into, um, especially in singleness, um, especially in idleness. Um, and I think if you have that discipleship piece. Um, somebody to kind of walk you through, you know, maybe they're currently in that 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 space, or they've been there before, yeah. um, and then you know that same person or a group of people to hold you accountable um, in many aspects, whether that be with purity, whether that be with um, your intentionality and your um, time with the Lord in, in the Word or prayer, um, you know, just accountability and you know um, engaging the community. So yeah. I would say those lack the lack of those things That's probably good. lead to a painful singleness. Yeah, the lack of ingredients, the bland food, man. I, I like that. Yeah. How about you, Erica? Yeah. What, what are the three? I, I like that. That was that was very clear, the lack there. Um, I would say the three that come to my mind are stigmatization, mm-hmm. isolation, maybe kind of tracking with the lack of community there, and an unbiblical focus on families or mm-hmm. marriage. Um, so. All right, unpack that for us. Yeah, yeah. so I think stigmatization, it just— Making singleness something that is weird or mm. abnormal or incomplete, going back to what yeah. we were just talking about. Um, and not necessarily overtly saying that, but even perhaps by um, by lack of attention to it. So for for example, you know, if there's a discussion around a particular topic, all the examples might be directed at marriage or at families. Well, that leaves out a good chunk of people in the totally. congreg- congregation. Um, and so isolation, I would just kind of tag that on to the lack of community that Nate was address- addressing. And then, how, what did I, what was the last one that I said? The unbiblical um, uh, emphasis yes, on marriage. Yeah, so an overemphasis, I think, on marriage and family. So, um, yeah, I mean, we see in scripture, marriage is great. The opportunity to raise children and disciple a family is is phenomenal, um, but we also see, you know, a focus on singleness in Scripture that I think is not always reflected in the the resources and the opportunities that are discussed in the church. Yeah. So, um, where yeah. um, what what's a passage? Because I know we've we've had conversations around this. What's a passage that really highlights singleness? Yeah, well, go for first it. Corinthians seven and then yeah. we hit I'm glad we hit it in the um in the first Wednesday talk. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think um really digging into that and seeing where Paul even talks about um like the division of attention that married uh people experience that singleness single people don't have. Yeah. Um where he's saying like men are concerned with their mm-hmm. wives and wives are concerned with their husbands. Not in a negative way, but they totally. just they just have their attention consumed. Now I've heard you say this before and I think it's so true that like your your first ministry is your family. Um, yeah. And I think that's an honorable thing. Um but like Paul is saying in this same, you know, context is like singleness is a gift for the opposite of that reason. Yeah, because totally. I don't have the focus on um 
you know, the ministry of my family. Like it can be outwardly focused. I mean, you look at his life and you look at um, his ministry and the discipleship of these churches he's established. And I think it's like a perfect example of um, how we should be outwardly focused in our singleness. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And, and to, to tag on to that a little bit, I think focusing on what makes us different too, as mm-hmm. brothers and sisters in Christ can be very painful. Yeah. And, I've heard stories from other, this didn't happen at redemption, but you know, a friend who was visiting a small group and the discussion happened to be, I think it was about marriage that night, which is, which is fine. No problem with that. But um, the whole night it's like, well, what do you think as a single person? Well, what do you think as a single person, just drawing attention to kind of the differences that were there rather than, well, what unites us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, on the way out of the door, the leader of the group called out to this friend, well, hey, bye, single person. Thanks for coming. Yeah. And I mean, that how, that's so painful, right? Like totally. that's not that's not our identity. Um, so yeah, yeah focusing, focusing on the differences rather than all that we share in common, I think yeah. is painful. Yeah, it's, it's so good because even just, the, you know, when you're talking about the stigma, like going back even to society, right? Even for people who are married, We've been shaped by this narrative of you gotta find the one, right? Like your your soulmate, and then you'll be complete. Mm-hmm. And so even folks now who have been swimming in a society where that's the narrative, well now, okay, they've they've found a spouse, but now it's easy for folks like myself then who are married to still think like, oh well, because you're single, you haven't made it yet, right? And yeah. so therefore, I think that's where that stigma comes, is it's not just something that single people hear, we all hear it. And I think that that's where the stigmatization comes out of is like, we've, we've been shaped by this narrative that says you're complete once you find that. And it's just interesting because going back even to how we view Jesus, like would we have said like, you know, if Jesus was in our living room for that small group would have been like, Oh, Hey, see a single dude. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Paul, you know, like the people that, that we're saying like, oh my gosh, like when we when we look at scripture, and so it's just an interesting thing. And even to your point on the first Corinthians seven, Nate, is Paul doesn't just say like, hey, singleness is okay. No. He actually no. encourages it. Yeah. He's this like is a gift. Yeah. He's like, yeah. dude, this this is a good thing, you know? Um, and so that's that's just a really I find that we lays over that, you know, and it's like, no, he he says that. He's encouraging people to remain yeah. single, um, and not even, not only the aspect that it's a gift, but it's a calling. Like you're, it's yeah. a, it, it sends you into almost like a, a vocational aspect. Like there's a there's a purpose to your singleness. It's not just that it's like a gift for this time that you have for yourself. It's a it's a it's a purposeful season and calling. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I love something you said on the panel, Erica, at first Wednesday. You talked about how it has given you opportunity to serve, and yeah, would you would you speak on that? Yeah, so I think one of the huge blessings of singleness is the freedom to say yes, and mm. not yes in the selfish, self absorbed way that we were talking about, but um, yes to to serve and to love others. And so, so in my own life, um, I mean, my my plan going to college was I would meet somebody, I would. At go overseas and serve because that was always my passion was to to serve in ministry overseas. Mm. But you know that wasn't how things happened. That wasn't God's plan for me. And um, God gave me the opportunity still to go overseas and and to serve in ministry. And I'm so glad that I said yes because the time that I spent over there was 
he he worked in my life in mm. so many ways and shaped me more into his image and um you know gave me a glimpse of what true community can look like um yeah. by the the people that I was serving alongside mm. and um not that I couldn't have done that with a spouse, but it made it a lot easier to say yes and to to pack up my bags and move halfway across the world for seven years. Yeah. So I think that looks different for everybody. Not God's not going to lead everybody to move overseas, but um, you know, singles have the freedom to say yes to a late night phone call to help somebody. Yeah. Or to give up a weekend to help a friend move across the country or totally. whatever it may look like. There's a lot more flexibility that we have. Yeah. While I'm changing diapers, you yeah, know, you can take that late <laughs> night phone call. You know. Yeah. No, that's really good. And so. If we're if we're still talking about the church, um, I would love to hear you guys speak on what it looks like for the church to create a culture that honors singleness. And so, if we don't want to have the three ingredient yeah. recipe right for pain for people, and I've heard story after story. I mean, we've got a lot of single people at our church, mm-hmm. and so I've heard story after story of pain. Whether it's you know from different communities, different churches, different things they've heard. It's not always in the church, but a lot of folks are carrying pain with them in this conversation. And so we don't want to do that. We want to create an environment that, honestly, a, a culture that honors single people. The same with it, Paul, right? The, the, if we are saying, like, man, we want to have Paul's vision of singleness, Jesus' vision of singleness, um, what does that look like? How can we do that at Redemption Tempe? Um, I think something that uh, could be cool or is cool is just, Digging into what people are gifted in, mm-hmm. and giving them an opportunity to serve in that, and and that also has to go on the singles part as well is yeah. taking that step forward and not necessarily waiting on every everybody to kind of pull you into the fold, um, but yeah. um, finding out where people are in their singleness, where they they desire to be single or desire to be married or you know um, whatever it may be, but finding out their gifts and and figuring out how they can serve the church or serve the community mm-hmm. in that aspect. Because a lot of times people just need purpose or people just need something they feel like they can excel at to, yeah. to feel valued. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a lot of it is, is just finding a way to make people feel valued. And a lot of that is just figuring out what people are good at. Um, so I guess that's some yeah. individual discipleship. It's good. Yeah. yeah the, like good. the, I think the, you know, kind of the biblical language and image is the body, right? Yeah. Like the, one body, many members, and let's not overlook maybe the seemingly what what we might define less significant mm. members of the body, right? Like if you're missing a finger, you're still missing a finger. You know, if you're missing an arm, you're missing an arm. But man, what what is what are the the parts of the body that we maybe think are insignificant? Because it is that's one of the that's one of the dominant images and metaphors that we see for the church for the different giftings. And so I do think there's. There's an acknowledgement and then also an empowerment and an unleashing of saying like, hey, mm-hmm. this is your gifting. Like we want to see you use that in order that the body could function at its full mm-hmm. capacity, yeah. right? And so I, I think that's really good, Nate. What, what would you say, Erica? Yeah, I think in the context of community, whether it's in an RC or just a group of friends from the church, I think having this conversation is is really helpful and valuable and um, not, you know, giving the, sig- the single person a space to share their struggles and even asking about it. Because I, I think sometimes, it, you know, it might feel a little awkward or married people don't always know how to ask, well, 
how's your singleness going? You know, but creating a space where it's okay to talk about those kinds of things. Um, but then also creating a space where that that is like a family and it's not always focused on that one topic, right? It's, yeah. you know, there are conversations, you know, what's God, what's God been teaching you this week? Um, how are things going in your work or what challenges have you faced that go beyond that as well? Yeah. Yeah. The, I yeah. think the, you hit on the other the other kind of image and, mm-hmm. and metaphor of like the church's family. So yeah. I think Nate, the the church is the body, and then church's family. I think that that those two are really really important if we're going to create a culture that honors singleness. And I even think about the the body. I, I mentioned just briefly uh, on the first Wednesday of like there's a theological value to singleness, and it's tied to the church's family because this is an eternal family. Um, and, and so often I think we, we can kind of like what you're saying of the, the overemphasis marriage is very biblical. It's a picture of the gospel, but do we overemphasize that and then underemphasize singleness? I think sometimes you can do that also with this same, same kind of image of the church's family. Um, and I think it, it, and to emphasize it, even uh, one of the passages as we've been in the gospel of John that just really stands out. Um, John chapter one, verses 12 and 13, where talking about how we become the family of God uh, says, but to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Uh, They are reborn, not with physical birth, uh, resulting in, uh, resulting from human passion or plan, um, but a birth that comes from God. And so like, this is, what we hear is the good news of the gospel is that we actually get to be born not of a physical birth, right? Not, not of sexual intimacy and sexual union, but we actually get to be born from above. And with that, it's an eternal family where now we, Romans 8 as well, we get to call God Abba Father. And so if we sitting here at this table are children of God, then we're brothers and sisters. And so you see this play out through the entire New Testament. And one of the things that I shared with you guys um, before, but one of just the images, N.T. Wright, um, he's a, a New Testament scholar that he uses for the church's family. So he talks about how, when you when you think of family tree, like what is your family tree? Huge with ancestry.com. Everybody's trying to figure out, you know, where I came from, what's my family of origin and family tree. When we think about the church's family, our family tree, Jesus is the sole trunk. He's the tree of the trunk. But then there's all of these branches with twigs, you know, with, with leaves and twigs and all of these branches in this family tree. And, and he says that all those branches and twigs and leaves represent the millions and millions of communities of believers globally, that this is a global family and the millions and millions of individual Christians. I just think that's so powerful because like we are a family. And that, that changes the way that we not only interact, but it changes the way we live out the one another's, right? Like the, these one another's of the New Testament that we see all throughout the New Testament. And I think that that is a way to honor each other. Because if we just talk in family language outside of the church of your, your biological family, um, if your brother's single, you're not going to not invite him around or your sister, right? Like that's your brother or sister. They're, they're welcome, you know, and you're not going to stigmatize them as like, oh, that's my brother or sister. And I think if we bring that into the church, that 
not only honors, but that gives us a, a really, really valuable yeah. vision to invite people to be a part of the family, right? Where you can yeah. be fully known, fully loved, fully accepted, because um, that's that's the gospel, right? And so for us to for us to create, so I would love, yeah, respond to that. Just as you mentioned, the family of God, that's been something that's mm-hmm. been on my mind. A lot of us have been talking about. Yeah, we're all ad- adopted into the family, so none yeah. of us are are biological members. So totally. we're all we're all on an equal playing field. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've I've been fortunate to have a great biological family, and I've also been very blessed to have amazing brother and sister family in Christ. You know, because yeah. on the surface we might not share much in common, but because of of the unity in Jesus Christ, our relationships were able to to go very deep. And I think, um, you know just like a family celebrates holidays together and goes through the day to day and the messy stuff. That's what we should be doing Mm. as a family of Christ too. Yeah. Um, So, you know, practically what does that, that look like? You know, I think um, being in community, maybe being plugged into an RC and celebrating, celebrating the stuff that comes up, right? Like, you know, people might not naturally think to invite a single person to their kid's five-year-old birthday party, but I love it. Like, mm. I love going to those those events and mm. celebrating, you know, my, with my family, with my brothers and yeah. sisters in Christ. Mm, that's so good. I love that. Um, so uh, another thing that, that was said on the first Wednesday panel, Josh Butler— um, he opened up the panel just just kind of talking about a, a vision for our church for, mm-hmm. for singleness. Um, and he quoted uh, Sam Albury, uh, who wrote a book, The Seven Myths of, About Singleness. And um, in there, Josh, Josh quoted uh, from that book. He said, marriage shows us the shape of the gospel. Singleness shows us the sufficiency of the gospel. I would love to hear how that rings true for each one of you guys. Uh, <clears throat> I, the, the, the image or the shape of the gospel, um, obviously like with marriage, thinking about husbands sacrificially loving their wives or even both, both um, people within the marriage sacrificing for one another, um, bearing that image of Christ sacrifice, sacri- uh, sacrifice for us. Um, but thinking as far as like sufficiency for single, like that should be that same image of Christ dying for me should be sufficient enough for me. And it's, I mean, me even saying that now, is just like a good reminder for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It should be, it should be enough. Like nobody will ever love me that much Mm -hmm. um, to take on that amount of pain or that, that, um, that weight for me. So that's the sufficiency piece for me. Um, mm. Is that, yeah, no, nobody will ever love me that much um, mm. or ever care for me that much. Yeah, it's good. Mm. Yeah, when I, when I think about that quote, it reminds me of one of what I think is one of the biggest challenges about being single. And that's that you don't have one person, one human being who's walking with you through every aspect of your life, right? Mm. You know, I have I have college friends. I have friends from when I served overseas. I have friends from my church here, work friends, um, and I have my, my biological family. But, you know, there's not that one person who knows all those pieces of my mm. life. And I think there's a temptation to look to a spouse to be that one person. Yeah. But 
you know, this, this quote reminds us that, that that person, no one person can ever, can ever be sufficient and can ever bring wholeness and completion. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think singleness kind of points me to when I'm in a healthy place, I should say, and my singleness points me towards looking to Christ as the all-sufficient one because he is the one who knows everything about me and he mm. chooses to love me just yeah. the same. Yeah, Oh man, that's, that is so good. And, and it reminds me of just going back to creational design that we are created to know God and be known by him. Mm-hmm. And the sufficiency that we see is that is really like our creational makeup, yeah. you know? And, and he is, to your point, like he is the one that knows the depths of our being. Um, and he welcomes us as we are, right? He's created us. He knows us. All of the intricacies that maybe even if you've been married for 50 years, there might yeah. still be little cracks and crevices of, of the most intimate things about you that your spouse may never even know, but yet God knows, right? And, and the sufficiency of what you guys have said of his love, his his acceptance of knowing me and loving me um, is so good. That, that's so good. Um how for both of you as as you have experienced singleness i would love to i would love you guys to speak to how god has formed you more into the image of jesus because because you guys have hit on it right right through like serving through the opportunities various things where you guys have hit on it but then even tie that in as as our people are listening to this the, a lot of these are questions that people have sent in and and one of the questions that people are wondering about um, is just practical ways that mm-hmm. spiritual formation ties into singleness. So maybe speak on how, how you've seen God shape and form you, but then also are, are there ways that spiritual formation ties into singleness? So yeah, I'd love, Erica, will you, will you start off on that? Yeah, I think I'll kind of hit on the, the second part of your question, John. Um, yeah. So looking at practically, what does that does that look like? And I think Nate mentioned this earlier, but Singles also bear a good amount of responsibility for for stepping out in service, and I think there can be this this tendency to say, "Well, people people should include me and should invite me in," um, you know. But to do community with people who are in different stages of life takes some flexibility on both sides. So, you know, maybe instead of inviting your friend for for coffee or for a two hour lunch, it's going to Chick-fil-A and eating nuggets while their kids play on the playground mm-hmm. or having a picnic at a park. Or, you know, I think if we um, we can get outside of our, our bubble of what community or what relationship looks like, you know, that can kind of help shape our, our view here. And um, in terms of spiritual formation, you know, doing things that make us uncomfortable and serving um, mm. is where we... I think kind of God gets those rough edges off of us and shapes us more into his image. Yeah. And, and that, I think that ties in with what you guys were talking about earlier about just denying yourself mm-hmm. too, right? The the humble posture of Jesus, if we go back to that Philippians 2, is he humble him, himself, yeah. right? He, he's, the, he's the humble servant, right? And there is this spiritual formation that happens as you serve. And, uh, and it ties into the denying yourself, which is wrapped up in the practice of humility, right? How do I practice humility as 
a, a formational practice to model the way of Jesus. Um, that's really good. How about you, Nate? What, what would you say on that? Yeah, not to keep reiterating that point, but I think it's so critical that single see their time as, as, as being single, as a time of service mm. um, and a time of being outwardly focused and a time of affecting your community, affecting the church community. Um, especially like, I think I even think about it from, uh, from a single man's perspective that desires marriage, right? If yeah. you're saying you're a single man um, and you desire marriage and you want to lead um, one day, leadership is sacrifice. And if you're not looking for those opportunities, you should be looking for those opportunities to sacrifice, mm. whether that be your time, your finances, um, yeah. um, you know, your resources, your talents, whatever that may be. You should be looking for opportunities to to serve and lead. Um, even and even if you're not looking to be married, that's what we're called to do is yeah. to serve. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean Sunday morning at service, but that means using the gifts that God has given you to. Um, to exercise that service. Yeah. yeah. And I think singles have a unique opportunity to, to use the time that God has given us. You know, we're, we're all going to be single for some period of time, whether it's short or whether yeah. it's until we meet Christ face to face. Yeah. And so how, how are we using that time to not prepare for marriage? Cause you know, we don't know if that's going to happen, mm. but um, to allow the Holy spirit to shape us and, build the fruit of the spirit in our, our lives. You know, maybe that means practicing discipline in some areas of life yeah. or, um, you know, allowing him to get us into uncomfortable situations and put people into our lives. Maybe it's a roommate or a family member or a good friend to um, give them permission to show us where we are going astray and where we need some of those, those rough edges smoothed off. Yeah. No, in, in you to, to go back to what we're talking about is like we're saying that flexibility of time, like mm-hmm. in your personal engagement with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear all the time from guys that are married, like, man, I wish I had more time to get into word. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wish I had this flexibility of not having to fit my time in the word around my job or, you know, taking care of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like at the basic level of like a seriousness about prayer and time in the word is like something that, um, I've heard a lot of guys that are married that say, like, I, I wish I took more advantage of that when I was single, just like a, developing a deep intimacy. Yeah, there there is something about rhythms, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times people call them spiritual disciplines, formational practices. I like to call them rhythms um, because you begin to weave it into the rhythms of your life. And if you start that when you're single— Maybe you'll be single forever. Maybe you'll find a spouse. But if you start it now while you're single, it is way more likely that that rhythm continues on wherever you end up. Um, but if you don't start it now, when as a single, you, you do it. There's just an element of extra time that you have that you may not have one day. Um, and so if you start those practices, rhythms now, they'll carry on. Yeah. And then when you're married, the, the whole thing, discipleship 101 is you make time for what's important to you. And so if you make time for that now and it's a rhythm and it's a habit that is in a part of your life, when you get married, when, you know, I, I've got three kids, some of those rhythms that I started when I started following Jesus, when I was single, 
some of those have still continued on in my life. Things like community, you know, and discipleship and, and some of those things that, that, I, that I prioritized that even as more things have been added onto my plate, right? And you got to wear different hats. I haven't ever let those things mm. go off the plate, you know? And so I think that that's just good wherever you're at, you Absolutely. know, now, um, whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged, whether you're older, single, maybe, maybe widow, um, whatever it may be. Um, but what are those, what are those rhythms? I think that that's, that's a good word, Nate. Um, so now moving out from just you guys, um, and how God has shaped and formed you, I would love for you guys to speak some advice to people that are listening, specifically single folks in our church, people that are, that are experiencing life as a single person. Um, and I know as we talked about the, the, the baggage and the hurt that some people have from Christian communities, one of the questions that that came in on first Wednesday uh, is around avoiding bitterness. Mm. And so if you're single, what advice would you guys have for someone who is trying to avoid bitterness in, in the church around so many conversations that are, that are focused on couples, marriages, families, all the resources available to them. And they're feeling like, well, I'm not there. So is there just no resources for me? me?" But even more so, they then feel like their identity as the church, uh, as being a part of the church is kind of like, well, there's all of these couples and, and married folks with kids. I'm kind of the person that is expected to be the cheerful babysitter, right? And, I, and do it for free probably because maybe I'm maybe I'm friends with them. And so yeah, just what advice would you have to that person, say to those people who are saying like, man, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm really wrestling with bitterness because I feel like this has been my church experience. It's either there's no conversation about singleness, there's no resources, there's the, to what you were talking about, Erica, the, the overemphasis. And then I feel like whenever... something is said about singleness, it's kind of like, oh, hey, you want to babysit for us so we can have a date night? Yeah, what would you guys say? Uh, So there's a little bit of accountability that needs to take place as well Mm. for singles in the church. Um, It's easy to fall into this, um, like, self-absorption or this Mm. pity for yourself um, that is unhealthy. and I think there also needs to be um, some accountability in bringing up like what your concerns are. Mm. Um, nobody knows what your concerns are if you don't voice them. Yeah. And if you don't seek out, you know, guidance and discipleship and counsel. Um, but with that being said, too, um, be engaged. I know for me personally, like times when I've been the most bitter in my singleness is when I'm idle and I have more time to put my thoughts towards other places. And, and you know, you don't want to just be busy just to be busy because that's not healthy either. Yeah. But I know times when I, it, especially times when I am, and like not not in the past tense, like currently, when I'm bitter about singleness, it's because I'm idle mm. um, and I have time to think about or I have time or I'm, I'm at a 5,000 foot view instead of 30,000 where I'm like, where does this play into God's plan and God's mm. glorification? Not, oh, you know, how is this unfair to me and what I deserve from God? Um, mm. Yeah, so I would say um, engaging, um, whether that be like engaging in community, taking a step forward is, is it for yourself as well, like not just seeking like, okay, what is this? What is for me? What is and Going back to the couple of weeks ago when Jim's talking about being a, 
a community of restoration and not a community of mm. consumers. Like, yeah. Sometimes singles don't have a voice in the church because they don't make their voice known mm. um, and don't seek out to make their voice known. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first step is to to turn those feelings over to God too, because yeah. He's not going to be surprised by them. He, you know, he he can take it, and he can mm. he can take the the frustration and the pain and um, meet you in those in those feelings. Yeah, um, yeah. I definitely echo a lot of of what Nate was saying as well. I think there's value to being in community and in fellowship with people who are similar to you and who share some of those same struggles and challenges. Um, so, you know, if, if you don't find those people in this place necessarily, you know, it's okay to, to maybe create a group or a group of friends that you text with who live out of state or, you know, a good friend who's single, who's in another part of the country who you can have regular check-ins with to talk about what you're feeling and experiencing. Um, and not to just complain and dump on each other, but to point each other to Christ yeah. as you face those challenges together. Um, and there's also value to being in community with people who are different from you. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, it's challenging to be sitting around a table with people who are talking about, mom stuff for mm. an hour yeah. Um, when I don't necessarily feel like I have a voice to contribute to that conversation. But at the same time, if I'm able to, to flip that around and say, okay, you know, these, these moms are tired. Like, how can I, how can I serve them and love them yeah. where they are? And, you know, it's not like I can just flip a switch in my heart and do that. It has to be the Holy Spirit working mm. inside of me and turning, turning it over to him moment by moment. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, build, find find your people, you know, people who, who are like you and get it and people who are different than you and you can learn from and grow from. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And what you were saying about like having those friendships as well too is like, I think super important because when you have those times, like there's sometimes where I just need to <laughs> vent about my bitterness mm-hmm. or, and if there's that, like not that mutual understanding of like just openness then th- that, Sometimes you just need to let that stuff out. So, yeah. yeah, I think understanding like who you can go to to be accountable, accountable with, and honest with is, yeah, helpful as well. Yeah, yeah. and I, I love the just the bringing it to God. Like mm-hmm. he he knows, mm-hmm. um, and yet Jesus was single once again. Yeah. You know, and and he knows. Uh, those feelings, right? Like, like he can identify that, that he's fully God and fully man, right? That, that he wrestled with temptation, right? But he didn't sin. And so the beautiful thing is like, we have a God who understands suffering because he put on flesh and moved into our neighborhood willingly because of Philippians two, as we keep coming back to of his humility, um, and there's something beautiful about when you bring your prayers to God as you are suffering mm. and, or even appear to be suffering, right? That you're, there's pain and it's welling up into bitterness to be able to pray that to God, to know I don't have some distant, far-off deity that I'm praying to. Like this God put on flesh and lived a single life, but yet was fully satisfied. And he understands and he empathizes 
and he hears me. And the beautiful thing is he's also with me. That even in your loneliest moments, you're actually not alone, right? Mm -hmm. And, And there's something beautifully comforting about knowing that he's the God who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death, right? And so I think that that's so good to bring it to God, to bear your burdens, and as Jesus invites us to, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Come to me, all who, you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. And to know, like, that is the that is a promise mm-hmm. that Jesus invites us into. Um, and also, as you do that, it's a beautiful way to be able to rid yourself of the bitterness, mm-hmm. right? By, by mm-hmm. confessing it to God. And, and I would even say, like, you know, if, if you do— really have bitterness maybe it's towards someone maybe they've maybe they've been taking advantage of you and saying oh yeah we got yeah. free babysitting and we got yeah. this, you know the token single like don't just bring it to god but then go talk yeah. to that person if it is someone yeah. right like go go to your once again this is your brother and sister mm-hmm. and have the conversation to just say like hey this is the way that i'm feeling um and, and confessing that and, and seeking reconciliation yeah. with them so that you don't allow the enemy to use that as bitterness. And all yeah. of a sudden now there's division in the family, you know, um, when we're trying to be one, be united. Yeah. I, I, I love what you guys both said. This is really helpful. And so uh, something else, just advice. So again, to, to those who are listening, how do you, how do you balance desiring a spouse while still glorifying God in your singleness. Yeah, that's that that's a tough one, I think, because I think sometimes we have this mentality of God as the divine vending machine. Like <laughs> you you read your Bible enough, you pray enough, you, you know, do XYZ and then boom, out pops a spouse. Well, guess <laughs> yeah. what? That's not the gospel <laughs> and that's not grace, right? I mean, the message of, of the gospel is that we can't do anything to earn God's mm-hmm. favor or um, God's approval. He he gives it to us because of, of who he is. So, you know, I, I think we need to kind of take that, that unhealthy perspective to God. Um, but, you know, I, I think of like the parable of the persistent widow in the mm-hmm. Bible, and she just kept going back and, and going back. And, you know, we need, we, we're encouraged to be faithful in prayer. Um, and God promises that he'll meet the desires of our heart. That doesn't mean he'll give us everything we want, right? But he will, he'll change our desires to mm-hmm. align them mm-hmm. more closely with his. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, so I think it's, it's good to continue to, to be faithful in prayer for the godly desires that God has given us. Um, but then not using singleness as an excuse for, for sin or for, uh, slothfulness mm. or mm. even just for not not following through with what we know God's asking us to do. Um, you know, there can some some people are tempted to say, well, I will do this once God brings a life partner to do it with. Mm. But as my mom used to say when I was a kid, delayed dis- delayed obedience is disobedience, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like we need to be faithful to whatever it is that God's calling us to do now mm. and he will equip us for it. Absolutely. It's good. Yeah. Nate, you got That's advice? Good. <laughs> that was good, man. <laughs> what she said, uh, right? What she said. What she said. <laughs> um, I think it's, a, yeah, it, it's not a 
bad thing to desire, but it is yeah. a bad thing to idolize. Mm-hmm. Um, I think times when I've had people like speaking to that truth for me, like, hey, man, this is mm-hmm. maybe this isn't this is a little bit more than something you're maybe just desiring. Um, so, yeah, I, honestly, I, I think you you hit a lot of um, a lot of things I was. I was thinking about her wanting to say, so yeah, what she said. <laughs> Good, what she said. Well, and I think it's not to say more because I already said a lot, but, but like, where am I directing my energy? Mm. Is it mm. is it to you know solving this quote problem of singleness and to you know am I going out there and and getting on all these websites and I mean not that there's anything wrong with that per se, but is that the focus of my energy and am I spending more time thinking about that, idolizing mm. it? I like that word that you use, Nate. Or is my focus ultimately to desire Christ and I'm seeking how he might use these various means to yeah. um, to bring about those desires? Mm. What you said too about praying that my desires would align with God's mm. desires, I think is so important. Um, and, and just realizing that his thoughts and his desires are higher than ours. He has our best interests in mind yeah. um, with, in relation to his glorification. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really praying that like my desires would align with his yeah his will yeah and then if we tie it back into community too i i think there's value in letting our community know what those desires mm. are mm. and you know there's there's not shame in saying hey guys this is like this is what i'm praying for will you pray with me in this yeah um and that's something where our brothers and sisters in Christ can come alongside us and support us in that and, and be part of that journey of what God's doing in our lives. Yeah, I, I love that you hit on the community piece as well because I know uh, all three of us sitting at the table are all a part of redemption mm-hmm. communities um, and all different redemption communities. And, and I do think there there is something unique and beautiful about redemption communities mm-hmm. as as an opportunity for a lot of what we're talking about to really be lived out, right? Um, and so, yeah, just just to not a plug, but just to say, like yeah. the the com- community is is huge, yeah. and and to live out the church's family, um, and even the way in which a lot of our redemption communities function is, you know, going back to what you said, there's value about being in community with people who are not like mm-hmm. you. Like this is a picture of God's coming kingdom, right? It's a diverse kingdom. Um, and yet, like, we want to be a preview of that now. Um, and so the, the last, last thing, just in closing, um, you know, the, the question of even tying it back up to, to advice is that it seems like there's a lot of resources for marriages, for families, you know, parenting. Um, and so one of the things I know that we've mentioned a few times already on here, Josh mentioned it at First Wednesday, but... Um, Sam Alberry's book, uh, Seven Myths About Singleness. Um, but I'd love to hear just each one of you, is there a resource, a book, something that you would recommend um, that helps you have a, a kingdom vision, helps you glorify God um, in singleness? Yeah, I have a podcast that I really like. Um, it's called The Boundless Show, and it's put out by Focus on the Family, and it's geared for single young adults. Okay. And, um they talk about all different kinds of things on the show. They interview authors and kind of Christians who are in the center of, of these topics that are being discussed in society, you know, address relationship issues, career, finances, faith, everything that might impact our lives as single Mm -hmm. young adults. And so I found that really healthy and encouraging and uplifting, you know, especially when I'm feeling that I'm 
alone in what I'm going through, um, to hear these voices from a biblical perspective that are addressing some of these um, these current topics in the world. It's great. Um, and the Bible. Um, <laughs> uh, I read this book recently um, called Not Yet Married by Marshall Siegel or Seagal. Um, and it's a, it's a chapter in the book that like, is was the most tangible thing or tangible like uh, advice I've gotten on like or I've seen on how to make the most of your single. It's like what it means to sacrifice in different areas of your life. Like I was mm-hmm. saying, like your finances or um, your time. Um, yeah, just different um, aspects. So that, that book, that book helped me a lot to see like even the aspect of like you know if husbands are called to love their wives like Christ loved the church. And I don't have a wife, then I should love the church like Christ loved the church. Um, whether mm. that be like the uh, the bigger church or like Redemption Tempe. Yeah. Um, so and you know figuring out what way you 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 play into that. It's um, good. And then I read uh, Meaning a Marriage by Tim Keller mm-hmm. recently, and it was like good for you know reasons you wouldn't think. I was like, man, this, this sounds a, a lot book. harder than I, yeah. than I you know. It's not yeah. just like all you know. Rainbows and sunshine. And it's, just, it's like, this, you know, singleness doesn't sound too bad. Like, it sounds hard. Like, I'm so, freed from this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll say those two, those two books are like the first things that come to my mind as far as like what I've read recently. That's great. That's super helpful. Um, hey, I, I really, really respect both of you. Um, having you guys on the first Wednesday panel doing this, um, I, I believe and I've seen you guys really honor Jesus in your faithfulness and I know that there's been struggles it's been tough but I really really respect both of you and really thank you for taking time to be on the podcast for being on First Wednesday and hopefully uh, this is encouraging and edifying and uh, encouraging to our brothers and sisters who are listening so thank you thanks John thanks for listening to this episode of the All of Life podcast to get more information on Redemption Church Tempe you can download the Redemption Tempe app or you can send an email to tempe at redemptionaz.com.